Hey guys, we're back again with another show of Bishop and the Moose. I'm Kirk Moose with MooseMinistriesInc.com, and this is Pastor Barry clinging with me, and we are so excited to be with you again. Pastor, what do you think? Do you think, can the church survive? Is it currently relevant in the modern world that we live in today? Well, I think, first of all, we put it in the context that we're talking about the local church. Uh, we're not talking about the church itself. Uh, you know, obviously it survives no matter what. But the local church as we know it, especially in the western part of the world and the United States of America, uh, you know, this COVID crisis that we have been through has really forced us to start thinking about things that never, ever before in any of our lifetimes has the church been shut down from being able to function. Uh, in, in the way that we are used to functioning on a Sunday morning and all of our activities during the week and those type of things. And, of course, the whole world's facing this, but it's, uh, it's caused business people and, and uh, all kinds of different folks and different ways of life to say, what, what are we doing? Is this necessary? And I think it's been wonderful for the church to have to go through this as well, too, to start saying, what are we doing that's not really uh, effective or necessarily biblical, uh, that's just fallen into some traditions that are not necessary, and what really is necessary and can we get back to the uh does the church really have a place in this modern world and uh you know i was thinking when i think about that question back in 2005 i believe it was uh barna who writes all these church growth books a great prognosticator of things that are happening and things that are coming and uh, he wrote a book uh, i think in 2005 called revolution and I remember I had a blog at that time, and I wrote a review of the blog because basically in that book, the way I read it and the way I remember it without going back and reviewing it is that he said, that, you know, the church as we know it must change and will change or it's going to get left behind. And so many people got so angry at him. Oh, the church is going to last forever. Oh, the church, you know, you can't say the church won't last and all of this. Well, I understood what he was saying. He wasn't saying the church. You always have to distinguish between God's church, the bride of Christ, the you know that's always going to be present, and what we're talking about, the local expression of his body as we've come to know it as church in our day that uh, we live in and, and experience, and that's what he was talking about. And I wrote a blog article just saying, you know, if the church doesn't change and, you know, it, it, it doesn't exist in the same manner, I said, great. I even said, viva la revolucion in it, you know, because it was called revolution. And so many of my friends and so many people got upset with me and said, you know, the church is, you know, he's saying the church, well, church will always be there. Well, we were defending biblically what it says about church, but not talking about the local expression of the church. And I think we've had a lot of uh, uh, time, uh, especially in this last year, to think about these things. I'm watching uh, churches that uh, were very active and very vibrant and uh, that had a lot of ministries, we won't say ministries, a lot of activity going on, and they're struggling to come back. Many have come back, stopped again, trying to regroup. The people haven't returned to some of those things and programs that they had, and it's causing a lot of people to get you know, a little un unsettled, and I think it's a really good thing for the church because I think it, it's forcing us to find out what's necessary and you know, what's not. Listening to you talk about this, it brings a little... It's almost like a meme that I saw mm -hmm. on online talked about how there was somebody drove by a church and the church sign said, we are a King James only <laughs> church. And the little meme said, said it's four members, yeah, including yeah. the pastor. Yeah. So they only wanted people that could believe and thought and talk yeah. from the King James. And, you know, if you didn't have your these and your thous, That's... you know, it just wasn't going to fly. But that 
comes right back to what I wanted to ask you for the next question. You made the comment about religious ideas or traditions that maybe we may need to drop. Are there certain traditions that you feel in your heart or maybe that you think might be more religious versus Christ-like? Well, I'll, I'll say it this way. I know about, you know, for many years I've struggled with this. You know, typically as a pastor, and I've been a pastor for you know, almost 40 years. And, and, uh, you know, we want to be defensive of the church, of the local church that we have and, oh, we need it. And we want people to come and all of that. But I've always been able to see, I I feel like I have looked beyond uh, those things and try to, you know, get beyond the religious activity into what the meaningful, uh, you know, uh, truth of what the New Testament says we're, we're supposed to be. So I've, I've always looked at it the way about two or three years ago, the Lord just really started doing a work in my heart because I realized I'd given my life to this thing called the church. And I really was struggling with the real impact that I had made on and a lot of changed lives, a lot of great stories, a lot of, you know, you know, communities touched and all this I, through the years. I'm not saying nothing, but I just feel like it wasn't as, as sharp as I would be. And I really go back to reading the New Testament and really saw an emphasis there on discipleship. I mean, that's what the Great Commission is. Go out, you know, and disciple them and uh, baptize them, teach them all of those great participles that are in the uh, Great Commission. And when we go back and look at that, then I realize that many times we've fallen in the mode today of trying to congregationalize people rather than disciple them. Hmm, and when good. I say that, that word has really become a good way of catching that because congregationalized means I want you to come to church my way. And so we're trying to go out here to adults and families and say, we want to get you saved, and then we want you to come and fit into our church, you know, our institution, our local expression, and all the things that we do. We meet at 1030 on Sunday. We have Sunday schools. We have Bible studies. We have discipleship groups. We have this. We have this ministry, that ministry. And we're successful if we get you into the life of our church, we would say. But what we're doing in that, Kirk, I think, is we're trying to take people and force them into something that not that's not always a biblical model. It's just something that we've gone custom to, but that the world has passed by. You mentioned that church. And, uh, you know, my wife and I, in our first church I pastored, she was actually my girlfriend at the time. We were engaged. I pastored a church in Dunlap, Tennessee. You know where that is, across the mountain. And on the way over to this uh church every week we pass a lot of little churches in the country and we passed one every week and I, I i wish i could remember all of it it wasn't just king james that said you know the name of the church and then on the marquee it said we're a king james only pre-millennial fundamental fire breathing uh hair short the hymns long baptist church or something i thought you know only about two people could ever fit that church you know to be in, in there and be the and so i have seen that you think of those oh that's really out of touch well even the modern church is out of touch and I, i'll take it even a step further i think that so many of these churches that uh, you know some of the more you know we're in dallas fort worth a lot of the mega churches not uh, you know, not I'm not picking on them, whatever, just saying that a lot of bigger churches lost their direction and became really a marketing organization. And boy, all at once now, they're struggling in this. They are really struggling to find the way to get their building filled back up. And I'm reading all this stuff about people wanting to, uh, you know, uh, new marketing techniques to get your people back and all of this. And it's really, really concerning. I think there's a need for great change. And I believe that a lot of it is happening uh, behind the scenes. Uh, I was thinking about when you were saying that, I was thinking about where this really all got started for me. Uh, in the little community that we live in, there are a lot of public schools, big public school buildings. And so oh, there's yeah. been a lot of church starts here through the years where our, our building and our, 
our church meets at here. And uh, so when, I think it was a Saturday, I, I can't remember exactly what day it was, but the doorbell rang. I go to the doorbell, and there's these two men standing there, and one of them has a clipboard, and, and I realize they're going door-to-door about something. But it was really interesting. They said, we're thinking about starting a New Testament church, a Bible-believing New Testament church in this area, which the insinuation was there isn't one. And there's actually several really good churches in this area already, including ours. Uh, but I didn't say anything, didn't let on who I was, whatever. And they said, we're trying to build that kind of a church where people will come. What kind of church would you come to? And I realized it was so man-centered what they were doing. They wanted to build a church where that would attract the needs of those people. So I thought I'd have a little fun with it. And I said, well, you know, I don't like those chairs and those pews you put in your churches. Could y'all put lazy boys in the churches? You know, the guy writes lazy boys down, you know. And then I just kept going on and getting ridiculous about how I wanted to be comfortable. And they finally excused themselves and went on. But it made me really think, you know, what about going back and saying, what does God want for a church? And how does he want, what does he want them to do? And rather than, uh, you know, going and saying, okay, what would you like? What would you like? What would you like? Well, hey, we got 60% of the people said they'll come if we offer a coffee bar and have this kind of coffee in it. I mean, whatever happened to what God wants, you know, the church to be and do rather than just an entertainment center, uh, those type of things. I think this COVID crisis and the result of being quarantined and not being able to be in church has caused a lot of churches to have to be forced to go back and look. And, and there, there are going to be churches that close their doors. And I've always said this, uh, some churches could close their doors uh, this Sunday and it would be for the glory of God. You know, uh, some of them think, oh, church should never close. Well, some may need to, uh, you know, before it's over with. Uh, I don't know. But uh, I just think a lot of changes in the air uh, as a result of this. You know, you said a couple things that really excite me. And one of them I actually saw demonstrated last Sunday and the Sunday before. And that's how at our church we're ready to send people out, (laughs) whether it's for college or they're moving or whatever that case may be. We're ready to send them out and say, whatever it is that God has for you, we send you out and we bless you. And so many times I see many churches, large ones and small ones, they don't want to let anyone go. Mm-hmm. It's all about, like you said before, mm-hmm. the nickel and the plate mm-hmm. and the butt and the seat. <laughs> That's it. So, you know, we can't allow that to become our God. Mm-mm. And people don't think about it like that. But when we put the person in the seat or the nickel in the plate above teaching what God tells us to say, mm-hmm. we've made an idol of that thing. Yes. That object has become an, a portion of idolatry to us. Exactly. I, when you're saying that, I just, boy, that just rings a bell with me so much. And I, I even, you know, the, we were sending out a lot of people. I mean, people were getting transferred that we had spent time developing into leaders. And then their business transformed to another state. We've had, uh, you know, obviously a lot of, we really have a good uh, bunch of young folks that come up through here and serve. We sent out two last week in the last two weeks that are integral part of our praise and worship uh, ministry going back to college or going to college. And uh, so, you know, you, you, there was a time when that was happening. It was getting really heavy. And there was, I was like, wait a minute, Lord, you're sending too many out. And, you know, I had a friend tell me one time, said, you know, isn't that what we're supposed to be about? And I remembered an old preacher saying years ago that we really didn't know what it meant when we said it. But it's true. And that is a church should not 
be measured by its seating capacity, but by its sending capacity. And so that's really made me get excited about that. And I think it goes even further than that. I have learned much to my very hard to get over tradition that, you know, in this community I live in, DFW Airport is right down the road. Many of the men and women in our church travel every week or used to before this crisis hit. And I don't know how that's going to all recover. But they would travel as part of their job. had one man that would go all over the world. Uh, and you can do that when you're anchored here right next to an international airport. And so we had people traveling, missing church a lot. And so we learned that we were going to have to develop some strategies where Sunday wasn't going to fit everybody uh, that way. And we're even now gone to the point, or I'm going to the point of discipling people, and not with the intent of making them congregationalized church members. That's not the sole purpose of it. The sole purpose is to get them you know, living for God and honoring God with their life. Uh, and then let those other things take care of themselves. Don't make that the, the number one thing just so we'll look better. Because here's the thing, preachers... And I are one, as the old joke goes, you know, so I can pick on them. You know, uh, preachers tend to do things to impress other preachers. I, I, I used to teach preaching for a seminary uh, to young preachers, and I, I really learned something. There's a lot of preachers would preach to impress other preachers rather than to preach to minister to the people that are sitting in front of them. And you have to get out of that mode, but preachers do a lot of that. You hardly can get together with a bunch of preachers that they don't look at each and say, well, how many are you running now? How much money are you taking up over there? And that's the nickels and noses. You know, you measure your entire effectiveness as a church by how much money you're taking up and by how many people were in the seats on that given Sunday. And what we we've I've really realized we have to get rid of that mentality of Sunday morning only. Sunday morning's important. I believe in the Lord's Day. I believe it's you know all what Scripture teaches about that. But we've learned that we don't measure that. I was having a hard time in this community for years reaching adults i mean they just were too busy to come to church on sunday i could scream i could get up and do seven week series about why you ought to go to church and all i'm doing is preaching to the ones that are already here not the ones that need to be here in my anger and it wasn't doing any good and finally you know we started this ministry this academy we, we started a, a ministry to a preschool ministry it's grown into a full academy the trophy lakes academy we're reaching hundreds of families daily Five days a week, those families bring their kids here. Let us invest and help them training those children up and doing those things. But also, we get to minister to mom and dad and the process. And the ministry has been, and I, I thought, what am I complaining about? I got people coming five days a week that I'm able to minister. Is it all translating to Sunday? Not always, but the ministry is still there. And that's, that's, a, that's a good ministry. And in so many ways, it gives us good stewardship of our buildings. When I first started out in ministry, we Baptists would build buildings for Sunday morning for one hour. We'd build all these Sunday school facilities, and the building would literally get used one hour for and, and during the course of a week. And now I've got a building, I promise you, this building, every square inch of this building is used six days a week. There are things going on in here. Uh, it is incredible what, what takes place, in, in, and that's a good steward of your building. But it's not just that. We don't build buildings to be building buildings. It's the ministry that's going on through all of that and, 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 uh, and reaching people. We, we want to build a coffee shop and, and you know have people come on our campus there around a coffee shop. Coffee shop is the new well. Uh, you know, that they're in the old world, you know, where people gather not just to get the water, but to come to talk and 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 share. And so we're we're hoping to do things like that to reach more and more people and quit making Sunday a be all end all measurement of whether you're effective or not uh, in the in the world. I I believe we well I believe the church will be relevant. 
I believe we have to be relevant. I believe we're going to be right. Matter of fact, I, for years, we get so mad that back in the 90s, all this movement started to make the church more relevant to our culture. That is the stupidest thing I've ever heard in my life. How do you make God relevant to his own world? You know, we need to be relevant to God. We don't need, you know, to try to dumb things down to, you know, I mean, it, you know, it just wasn't even thinking straight some of the things that we jumped in and did during that time. And it's developed a whole church culture. Uh, subculture in America that all exists out of praise teams and and all this stuff. And listen, all of that's subject to change. And as we've learned this year, it can change in a day or a week, uh, for that matter. And you don't, you're not able to meet. And everybody has to tool up and do it a different way. I watch the church that I pastor through this crisis become uh, more effective. I, I watch uh, uh, our offerings that were just the Sunday type offerings. I watch people go to online giving and they get more faithful when they do that. And our offerings actually ticked up a little bit rather than going down, which is absolutely amazing. And not only that, I saw people focus on getting together uh, through Zoom meetings and, and uh, you know, our worship services when we were completely quarantined there for a couple of months, uh, all of those things. And it, it just was brought in tremendous joy to me because I saw the real church emerge and, and, and come together. And I think these are some of the issues that we're facing today. And we don't need to be all upset when we see that it may not be the way it was before. Maybe it's going to be leaner. As we used to say, leaner and meaner, you know, and better. You know, I don't mean meaner that in a literal way, but be more effective. And I think we're going to see that in the, in the days ahead. So in my world, I'm really encouraged. I got a lot of people that are scared to death, worried, you know, hand-wringing because the empires of religion we built might have to crumble, but we might be able to face this. I, I was thinking that if this thing went the way I thought it might go when it first started, we we're going to lose everything. Everybody's going to lose everything. But yet, you know what? God didn't call me to be a pastor to get a, a package, you know, to be able to worship. Thank God our church compensates me to where I give full time to the ministry. But, you know, if they didn't, I'd go get it. I'd do whatever I had to do, and still we'd meet out under a tree somewhere if we had to. We're going to continue to be the church, and, and uh, maybe it would be more effective if we did that, you know, for a while. I didn't know, but uh, a that, lot that, of change. That brings up an interesting topic in itself right mm-hmm. there. If you think about a lot of believers around the world, even the persecuted church, mm-hmm. some of these people that when they praise God, they have to be very quiet mm-hmm. because if they don't, it could cost them their life. Yes. Well, there I've heard people say, if I can't sing as loud or the way I want, I can't get in the presence. Yes. Well, that sounds like <laughs> a religious attitude. And I'm not trying to be judgmental, yes. but if somebody across the world that's meeting in a cave and having to whisper their praise to God can get in the presence of God, surely you can change your thinking and find another way to enter into his gates. Yes. I, I When you say that, I, I think the best thing ever is to travel uh, abroad and even in our current world. I mean, in the course of the time God's called me to be able to go to Europe and and, and go into uh, uh, you know Africa and go into South America and go into all these different cultures and different places and see how people are doing church, you, you really... You get over the stuff that's North American or Western or or Amer- uh, United States, you know, the, the things that we think that are there. Because you see people that are, you know, and I have preached in a little five-by-five five concrete block church that we built in a little village in India. 
I have uh, I preached in William Carey's pulpit in his church in Calcutta. I've preached in, uh, uh, you know, a hut. I've preached in some cathedrals, you know. I've preached in all these settings, but, you know, you start seeing the church, and when you see a global view, it makes you get over all these hang-ups. You know, I watch these American pastors fighting all the time. It's like they got to have something to fight about. And it's always a, a doctrine that is not primary. It's always a uh, what they call tertiary or a, or a secondary or third, fourth out generation doctrine. And they're out here, you know, you're with them, you're with me, arguing, writing papers, writing books. And it doesn't matter when you've got a world that needs Christ and you see how other people are meeting and what they're able to do. That reminds me one time I was in a coffee shop Mm -hmm. in Chattanooga, Tennessee. You may remember the name of it, Greyfriars, way back in the day. I don't even know if they're still there. But I was there with some friends, and every one of us, we were Christians. However, me and my buddy, we had just come back out to the patio to sit down with everybody else, and two of our friends were arguing. To the point of where they sounded like they're about to have a fist fight. <laughs> and I had to look at them. I won't name names, but I looked at them and said, Hey guys, y'all need to calm it down. <laughs> and they said, What? We're just having a debate. I said, No one around you knows you're debating. They mm-hmm. think you hate each other and you want to fight each other. If you haven't noticed the look on each person's face that passes by, they think you're about to have a fist fight. That gave them a check mm-hmm. because they stood back and they're like, Whoa. They mm-hmm. didn't realize the witness that they were being wow. to the rest of the world wow. around them. But see, what happens with what you're talking about there uh, with the experts arguing over secondary and thirdly uh, things, they're making the rest of the world think that we're divided, uh, that we hate each other, and we're a bunch of bigots because we're not doing what Christ said we're supposed to do, being known by the love we have for one another. So if we are not loving one another, something in ourself needs to change. It needs to be reset. We need to have a, a recalibration of our own heart and our own spirit if we're not allowing ourselves to be guided by the hand of love because we know one thing about God, if nothing else, it says in the Word that God is love. That's, you know, I've watched that just in recent years, and you'll understand this, that um, I had, and this happens all the time in ministry. You have a, and I hate to use the word lay people, but someone's not in full-time ministry comes to me and said, hey, we're supporting this missionary down in, in Amazon and uh, Pastor Jose that we're both involved with, and he's coming here. Wouldn't it be great if some of the other churches knew about him and they could support him? I want to take him over to meet this one, and, that, and I'm like going, this will never work. And But yet, I don't want to put fire, I mean, put water on someone's you know passion to try to share this with everyone oh, yeah. and this is never going to work why is it never going to work because pastors are incredibly territorial if it's my ministry it's not my you know if it's your ministry is not my ministry you know and those type of things and they don't want to support what somebody else is already doing and all and i think that's the kind of stuff that just has to go and and let it again i don't like the word lay people but lay people get that they can't understand why we pastors can't get it and get get along and better and do that and that's the love and that's the love. There, there. Listen. There's a person of Jesus Christ, who He is as the God Man on this earth. His sacrifice, what He did. Those aren't up for debate. We we know who Jesus is. But once we get that down, uh, beyond that, you know, to argue and fuss in front of a world over things that they could have a, don't have a clue about. Uh, you know, that no, I'm not saying some of those things aren't important. And there is arenas for us to discuss these things and decision ways they're going. But but to argue about that is just absolutely, you know. Uh, 
crazy. I know my first trip outside the United States was when I was a Bible college student, about 19 years old, and I went to Brazil. And a uh, great country, great ministry. I loved my time down there. I thought that I was going to go there as a full-time you know, missionary, but I, but I watched them and their response to any Christian that drank alcohol. You know, if any Christian drank alcohol, they were going to hell. Okay, I come back. Years later, I travel to Germany. I'm on the same planet Earth here. You know, but I go to Germany, and in Germany, they're like, you know, you know, any Christians that you know smoke. The ones I ran, they said they're, they well, they could smoke in Brazil, but they couldn't drink alcohol. But the Germans drink their beer, but they can't smoke. And I'm like, God's looking down at this little ball, going, "Would y'all get it together, you know, over those things and and present me as you know who I am to the world?" I'm not saying holiness and sanctification, all that's not important. I, obviously not, but I I do. It gives you a perspective when you see when you travel and you see what other people are going through and how they're facing ministry and what they're doing. And you realize a lot of this smoke machines and things that we have in America are, are not necessary in order to have worship. I, I remember bothered me greatly years ago when I heard in, a, in another city someone had canceled church on Christmas Day because they could not pull it off because it would take so many of their workers to operate all the smoke machines and all that. And so therefore, it wouldn't have enough work. So we're not going to have church. And I thought, you know, when the day comes, no matter how big you are and how technologically advanced you are, when the day comes that you can't walk in a building, open up a Bible, and tell the Christmas story and preach on, on, on Christmas Day, you're too big. <laughs> That's when That's you're it. too big, when you, when you can't do that. And so I think, you know, to answer our question and get back to this, is it, you know, is it is, is the church going to change? Yes, it's going to change. And I'm, I think it's a forced change. It probably wouldn't have happened any other way because people have grown comfortable. But I think a lot of unnecessary things are going to change. I think it can be painful at times because so many have been thought. And I'm not just talking about preachers. People in church are going to you know, do that. I, I remember... Uh, uh, being in a little country church one time, and we used to always, uh, a person did a solo right before I would preach. And uh, they called it the, the special, but in the area I was in, it was called the spatial, you know, <laughs> and even country for me, which is, is big. And, uh, you know, so one day I did something different and didn't didn't have that. And they go, you know, I, you'd have thought I said Jesus wasn't God or something. We, we, preacher, we didn't have our special today, you know. And I'm like, that's not in the Bible. You don't have to do it the same way every time. You know, we can get more effective. We can find different ways to do it. I, I learned that lesson early about how people don't are resistant to change in church. And uh, we're going to be forced to do it. And I think it's a great thing. I believe it's going to cause a lot of change. And I hope the church becomes more spiritual. I hope it becomes more uh, relevant in the good sense of the word, in the sense that we're showing truly the person of Christ to the, to the world that is around us. And, I, and we're actually touching people and seeing lives change as a result of it as well. So good subject to talk about. Brother, I completely agree with you also about the discipleship factor. Yes. If we can't get back to discipling the believers, mm-hmm. I, number one, think we've failed. Yes. Because if we're not discipling, then yes. our people that we call believers have no roots. Yes. The Word says if they have no roots, they're going to wither and die. Yes. Yes. So we don't want those that we're bringing into the kingdom to wither and die. They want We want them to flourish. We want them to produce seed of their own and for themselves to be good stewards of the word and the anointing Amen. that God gives to them. Amen. Because think about it. If you or I don't steward them and that they don't become good stewards, then we've mm-hmm. failed at the task that we've been given by our master. Yes. Yes, that's true. So we have to get over ourselves and allow Christ to reflect in us 
and wash away and sweep away all of these religious ideas that we all have in our life. I, I'm I'm ready. I, I came to the Lord when I was 18, so I didn't really grow up in church. <laughs> so I've always been, you know, one that can be free and easy to to change about things that supposedly been apart forever, but have not been apart forever. And uh, can can certainly, you know, there, there's that which never changes. God's word, and then there's that which always can be willing to change it. We all need to. Our our blessed beatitude around here is blessed are the flexible, for they shall not break. Because we have to be flexible if we're going to be nimble, if we're going to be uh, active and alive in meeting the needs of people and presenting Christ to this generation. Well, guys, we thank you so much for coming out and joining us this evening. Uh, Don't forget, if you haven't already done it, go to our YouTube channel. There's several places, both in the Church of Trophy Lakes and under the Moose Ministries, Inc. YouTube page, where you can go and you can click the link and go and subscribe so that every time that we post a new uh, show on the YouTube channel, you're going to get notified. Also, if you would like to check out the podcast, you can go to the MooseMinistriesInc.com website, click Equip. Under the Equip tab, there's a link that says Podcasts. You can find it there. Guys, we thank you so much. God bless you. God bless.